Oh, where do we start this morning? I'm going to invite you to open with me to 2 Timothy. It's kind of where we're, we're going to begin. I've I got a principle that's rolling around uh, in my heart. Just thinking like Acts chapter 6, Stephen standing before these Pharisees. And uh, when you're cutting grass, you've got a lot of time to think <laughs> and, and meditate through some of these things. 2 Timothy chapter chapter 4. We'll, we'll read a couple of verses in, in chapter 3. But. If I was to capture what would I have been thinking about just on, on the first page of our notes, I wrote down a phrase this week. It goes like this. Truth not understood is always an offense to someone. Right? Truth not understood is always an offense to someone. And whenever I think about these, these Pharisees, and, and I mean, there's a lot going on. A number of them came to saving faith in Christ. A uh, number of them participated in killing, crucifying God's Christ. But they were people holding their Old Testament scriptures that at some point stopped enduring teaching. They were, they were people at some point with one of the most solid biblical heritages we can even imagine. I mean, their whole culture was pointed towards the one true God. And at some point, whether it was in Babylon, and I mean, we could, we could trace back there, but at some point, they said no to sitting underneath teaching. Whether it was developing their own ideas, their own thoughts, their own Mishnah principles, and, and the list can go on. But they made the decision to stop. And then we see Jesus come along and, and what, well, John the Baptist first, what is John the Baptist doing? He's teaching. He's proclaiming. He's got their Old Testament scriptures and he's going, prepare the way for God's Christ. Right? Prepare the way for the Lord. And then Jesus, Jesus comes along and what's he doing? He's teaching. He's proclaiming kingdom of heaven is at hand there he's showing them from scriptures who he is and guess what they wouldn't endure this teaching this doctrine so the pharisees there as stephen's in front of them and what does he do he's doing the same thing everybody else did there he's he's teaching he's proclaiming he's opening the word of god to them and they just would not endure it can we take applications for that today what happens to a church culture that no longer endures teaching? Right? I, I know that word doctrine, and, and maybe I'll get ahead of myself. I need to pray, but, but what happens? We entertain other things. We pursue other things. We leave our first love. And I mean, you know what? If, if we were really, truly, if Jesus was to return, I'm sure some people, some churches would probably line up and try and remove him from their systems. It's scary. But what is the priority? Priority is the Spirit of God through the Word of God. And that's, that's kind of something. So we'll, we'll work through, do mostly reading, and then we'll get back to Stephen and maybe do some teaching. But Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this morning. Lord, just even with this um, principle that you've laid on my heart, Lord, I pray that each one in this room would ask themselves a serious question. Lord, do we bear with? Are we, we desiring to sit under? 
Are we enduring teaching? Lord, and in that context, Lord, I'm going to say that Timothy was, was met with some opposition. Lord, in that context, it speaks to a coming day where people no longer want teaching of the Word. And we know what follows. So Lord, as we open your text this morning, we would ask that you would speak. Lord, we would ask that, that you would illuminate our hearts. Lord, we know it, it has to be a you thing as we read, as we're being obedient. And Lord, I pray that again, you would, you would help us to be disciples. Those engaged in learning. Because we know what happens when we stop. Lord, I ask that you just lead my words, and as we read these texts, that they just come alive. And I pray these things in your name. Amen. So truth not understood is always an offense to someone. Right? So, I mean, you could, you could say it, you could speak truth two or three different ways, but if they're not grasping it properly, guess what? You're going to have the mad, the sad, and the glad. Right? It doesn't matter. Right? It's in every, every crowd. So I, I kind of think there, as we step into the second Timothy, we'll just step in verse 10, chapter 3, and, and I'm just going to try and just read down through this. I will recognize that second Timothy is being written um, by Paul in his second Roman imprisonment, A.D. 64-65. Uh, most would put his martyrdom A.D. 67. Okay, why is that important? Well, here we are 34-35 years after Calvary. All right, how old is Timothy here? You know, if, if, if he was born around 80, 30, well, he'd be 34, 35. I mean, we don't know how old Timothy is, um, but we know that we'll say he's a, a younger man. Uh, maybe not as old as me, but uh, anyway, we'll get there. All right, so he says this. He's serving in Ephesus, verse 10. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I'm not going to dwell on that, but should have a circle around that for the hard times. But evil men and apostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. That's the quality of teaching. Second Timothy, just stepping into verse 14. But he says this, But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Right? Anchor yourself in the source. Paul was an apostle. Right? He got his teachings from Jesus. Spirit, through the, Spirit of God through the Word of God. And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures or the, the sacred letters which are able to make you wise for salvation. We see that word, we ask, saved from what? Without getting into it, I'm pretty sure Timothy was a believer. Right? Place his faith in Christ. And he's anticipating what? What's the next thing in the, in the biblical sequence? The rapture. What follows the rapture? Malachi's wrath, right? Wrath, tribulation, second coming wrath. So it says they're the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. 
right? The rapture will call up all who have placed their faith in Jesus. Verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. What would be priority in those couple verses for Timothy? The word of God, right? That is the, 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 the point here. Verse 1 of chapter 4, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Okay, this is fine in our place. We've been studying this through prayer meeting. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure or bear with sound. New King James says doctrine, right? That doctrine in the Greek is the same root word as teachers down below. Sound doctrine or sound teaching. They're not going to bear with. They're not going to want to sit underneath it. They're not going to, to desire it. They're not going to endure sound doctrine or sound teaching but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. Teachers that teach their own, the, the same thing that they believe, the same thing that they think, the same opinions that they have. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables or myths, right? created things, man-created things. Again, with what's been burdened, burdened on me, I mean, this is where the Pharisees found themselves. It's where the Jewish people found themselves. No longer enduring, no longer coming underneath the, the, the true biblical meanings of Torah and the Old Testament scriptures. They created their own thing, their own myths. Right? And we find a whole society, a whole culture, and you guys know that narrative. When Jesus comes in the temple, what does he do twice? He cleanses it. He flips tables. They had created almost like their own Pharisaic Judaism mythology. Why? Because they no longer came to teaching. They no longer endured it. They no longer came underneath it. They no longer wanted it. And a new thing was developed. He closes that in verse 5. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. You got a pen there, just write Ephesians 4.12 beside evangelist. Right? Christ ascended so the Spirit could descend, and that evangelist is a teaching position, but we won't get into that. So the principle here growing out of this is, is the Jewish people found themselves in a place where they no longer desired or no longer endured or sat under sound teaching something else was created anybody watch youtube here this morning very little trying to find a good pastor on the online now good preachers there is a lot of stuff out there very little sound biblical teaching 
So come with me back to Acts chapter 6, and we'll look at a few points there from, from Stephen. A few things need, need to be taught. I was kind of hoping that uh, Joy Owls would be here. This would stimulate some conversations with uh, where he, he stands on some of this, but uh, we'll have those conversations in private. So let's just read 8 to 15, and we'll see if we can't work through a little bit more of this in the time that we have left. Um, can we endure teaching this morning? <laughs> I think we can bear with it. I think we can... I think the other was put up, put up with it, tolerate it was another verse from the, the, the lexicon I was using. I was like, wow, that doesn't seem... Uh, but anyway, we can do this. Verse 8 says, And Stephen, full of faith, do you remember what faith? We represent it. Faith is, is the future promise, right? Messianic promise, kingdom promises. The promises that he has is his present reality, right? The Spirit leads him in there. I am living for... <laughs> what is coming, right, in the present reality. Uh, full of faith and power, okay, where was his power coming from? Straight from the throne, right? They ordained him, he was one of the seven, right? He's now an ambassador, right? The, the apostolic office with signs and wonders, not one of the original 11, um, but, but, but one of the, the, he's got an apostolic um, office there now. He did great wonders and signs. What's the purpose of wonders and signs? Authenticating. Okay, we've already covered most of my notes now. Uh, authenticating. Authenticating what? Word of God. What's he doing in verse 10? It says, and they were not able to resist the wisdom and spirit by which he spoke. So these three things were authenticating the message that he was speaking. I'll ask you in a couple minutes again, what was he speaking about? Um, this says in verse 9, Then there arose some from what is called the synagogue of the freed men, uh, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia and Asia. And what are they found doing? Disputing with Stephen. So what is a synagogue? We'll just scratch our brains for a little bit. Synagogue. Jewish meeting place, right? Or they do worship. It's a place of teaching. It's a place there where the elders gather. It's a place where they do community business, okay? Is it Jew or Gentile? Jewish. Very, very Jewish, okay? And that's important. Um, even as you're reading the book of Acts, you see that Jewish main focus until Acts chapter 10, where we see Cornelius come onto the picture, okay? So we have... The freedman synagogue, it's Jewish, the freedman, just in, and again in, in a summary, uh, most of the commentaries would present that, that some of the Jews uh, living in slavery, at some point their masters have released them from their, the bondage, released them from slavery. And what do they do? They come together and they make a synagogue. Right? At least 10 men come together and they, and they come together and worship and they start a synagogue. Okay? So these synagogues, places of worship, they're from four different places. Now rather than putting it up on a PowerPoint, if you have the notes, I have a map here okay, in your notes. And I don't really have time and I think I might be awkward, but um, you see Africa at one point, that's the continent of today's Africa. You'll see at the top, 
the Mediterranean Sea, Cyrenian, Alexandria, Cilicia. What was the fourth one? Asia. And Asia's up right pretty much the center of the page. That kind of helps you. Um, It's all over the known world. The Jews have gathered, okay, and now they're disputing from these four different synagogues, um, disputing with Stephen over this message that he is presenting, proclaiming, and teaching. Uh, Just for free, who can remember what province Tarsus was in? Cilicia, right? Now, some, why is that interesting? Um, some would present that Paul was one of the freedmen standing here disputing because we see him at the end of the chapter. Do we know that? No, but it's a, another interesting detail to, to point out here. Okay, so you've got Jewish men coming together. I'm going to say open scriptures, open Talmud, their own kind of stepping stones for their religion, disputing with Stephen. But verse 10 says, and they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Remember last week what chapter in Luke we turned to? Luke chapter 21. Okay, right? And I just wrote in that second column, we're just trying to stimulate some of this. What was Stephen talking about? Do you remember what Jesus was speaking about in Luke 21? Signs of the age to come, right? Jesus was teaching about the tribulation and the, his second coming. Uh, Acts chapter 1, even after his resurrection, he was teaching things pertaining to the kingdom of God. You see the column there beside the map? I asked the question, and this, this helps make Acts make sense, okay? What is the anticipated biblical sequence of the last things? What do I mean by that? What are we anticipating as a church what what comes next what what nothing i mean it's imminent nothing else has to happen uh, but what are we looking for the rapture that's right we're looking to be caught up okay and the moment that the church is caught up to meet christ in the air the dead in christ will rise first what follows tribulation wrath i asked one of our, our upcoming junior students that was working on the the brick brick there i said uh, how long if the rapture was to happen it was the rapture was to happen this afternoon how long would i be in heaven i like lo- lo- just just seeing him him turning right like to turn it but we know the answer don't we seven years right it's a seven year tribulation and then we return with christ so you're right as you work through that we know that second coming of christ he comes king jesus comes sets up his kingdom thousand years and then we have the eternal state that is very very important okay so they were not able to resist the wisdom and spirit by which he spoke then they secretly verse 11 induced men to say we have heard him speak blasphemous words against moses and god that's a pretty big accusation, isn't it? All right. I mean, that, even yesterday, that's what I was doing. I was reading through the Gospels going, where, what, where, where are they coming from? Right? Like the, this idea of blaspheming and then even the, the older texts don't have that blasphemous in it. But, 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 but speaking against Moses and God, Jesus, he never did that. 
right? But, I, but, but as, a, as a faithful student of the Word, I had to read through that text, and, and we'll maybe backtrack for that. But they accuse him of speaking against Moses and God, and they stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him, seized him, and brought him to the council, right? Brought him before the Sanhedrin. Sanhedrin is the, they'll say, the, the provincial government of Israel, okay? The same ones that Jesus stood before, okay? I mean, we're only, uh, let's, say, let's say, a couple months out from Calvary. Same Sanhedrin. They also set up a false witness who said, this man does not cease to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. Right? The holy place being the temple, right? And the law being Torah. Right? I'm reading that going, well, didn't Jesus say that he was going to destroy it? I mean, I mean he he did say that. So so again, we're back to like truth. Truth not understood is always an offense to someone. I mean, Jesus did speak to this. Jesus did speak to fulfilling Torah. Jesus did speak correcting things, and so we'll have to pursue that a little bit. Uh, Verse 14, For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs which Moses delivered to us. And all who sat in the council looked steadfastly at him, saw his face as the face of an angel. So with our, our time that we have here, I just want us to come back up to verse 11. Because this is a pretty serious accusation here. It says, Then secretly they induced men to say, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. Right? As I, I read through the Gospels, I mean, did I, did I ever see Jesus speaking against Moses? I'm going to say, No, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't see any of that. I saw Jesus correcting what we would call Pharisaic Judaism, okay? And that would be the Pharisees and, the, and their spin on things and their twists on things over, over time and intentionally. Um, that was about the only thing that I saw. And even as Tony and I have conversations, right? Pharisaic Judaism was different than what God had presented at Mount Sinai, right? Man had... Had, had polluted and twisted and exploited it to, to turn it into something in many ways that they wanted. That happens when people don't endure teaching, right? That's what happened. That happens in churches there when, when we feel that, that we want to believe this. Guess what? That's the direction that it takes. So he says there speaks against Moses. The second thing is and speaks against God. Now, this maybe is a little bit more for homework that I wrote these verses down, but there are, there are some very, very good chapters where Jesus is going toe-to-toe with these Pharisees who don't seem to know the one true God. Right? If we were to think Deuteronomy 18, the new prophet, how many times did Jesus say that he spoke for his father? How many miracles did he do going, I, the Father has sent me? And yet these Pharisees, no. Right? You're just speaking against, maybe, maybe we should, let's go to John chapter 8, just because it's a fascinating. John chapter 8. So I think it's important for us as we grasp 
this conflict, because it continues uh, as we read through Scripture, this conflict that, that Pharisees and their Judaism, and, and I think that's, that's kind of, there. it's important to me, there, there's the pure Judaism that God gave and following for fellowship underneath the, the Torah, and then there's what man twisted. And Jesus was always correcting this. Uh, let's begin in verse 13, John chapter 8. And just, just grasp, like this adds to understanding what's going on here. The Pharisees therefore said to him, John 8, 13, You bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not, it's not true. I mean, it's like, no, we're, we're, not, we're not believing what you're saying. We're not believing what we're seeing. Their hearts are hard. Who hardened their hearts? They did, right? The gospel's presented, the king is presented, they're hardening their own hearts. Jesus answered and said to them, even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true, for I know where I came from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from and where I am going. You judge according to the flesh, I judge no one. And yet if I do judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. Who's Jesus acting on behalf of? His Father. He's the new prophet. He's God's anointed chosen one. He's God's king. It's also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one who bears witness of myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. Then they said to him, Where is your Father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my father. I mean, these are the spiritual leaders, right? If you had known me, you would have known my father also. These words Jesus spoke, where? In the treasury, as he taught in the temple. Okay? Can't tell me there that Judaism was where it needs to be. Jesus was correcting things in their understanding in the house of God. That's a very important concept there. And no one laid hands on him, for his hour had not yet come. Why don't we keep reading for a little bit more? Then Jesus said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me, and will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. We remember Matthew 12 and Matthew 23, where Jesus is protecting, and 24, um, where Jesus is predicting the destruction of the temple in AD 70. As Jesus is speaking to these men, Jesus is, is about to tell them that he's, he's leaving, he's going to die, God is going to raise him, but these, these Jews are going to die in their sin. Why? Because they refuse to believe that he is the Christ. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Because he says, where I go, you cannot come. Can you see how truth not understood is always an offense to someone? And he said to them, you are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he you will die in your sins. Oh, there's so much, but you guys don't want me to preach through John again. Then they said to him, what's the question? Who are you? And Jesus said to him, 
just what I have been saying to you from the beginning. <laughs> the narrative hasn't changed. I have many things to say and to judge concerning you, but he who sent me is true. I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. They did not understand that he spoke to them of the Father. Here we are in Acts, and they're accusing him of speaking against who? Against Moses and against God. They're just not, they're, they're not grasped. They've hardened their hearts. We know Satan's involved, but they don't understand the truth, and that's what they're offended at. We'll just finish this. They did not understand that he spoke to them of the Father. Then Jesus said to them, When you lift up the Son of Man, right, we're looking to the cross, then you will know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father taught me, I speak these things. And he who has sent me is with me, and the Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. And as he spoke these words, many many believed. I mean, the hard, one of the hardest, <laughs> hardest mission fields you can imagine as he's speaking to these religious leaders, but many believed. There's so much in there, but um, maybe coming back to Acts chapter 6, and I don't want to get buried in that, but I just want us to, this idea of truth not understood is always an offense. Uh, Jesus never spoke against God, and yet here's the accusation. There's a number of, of different things as we work down. Let's understand that even as, as Stephen is speaking, right, these individuals, these, these listeners that are accusing him of speaking against Moses and God, uh, they were under God's judgment. If you were to think there are Matthew 13 parables, right? Jesus spoke in parables uh, these, these biblical truths or, or divine truths with a story or narrative with them as a form of judgment, right? To keep the truth from these men and women who had hardened their hearts. As I thought about, about speaking against Moses and, and what goes on, uh, the only things that I could find really there with correction was Jesus' healing on the Sabbath, they took a very, very, very offense to that and the topic of divorce because of what their culture had done. The other things that these, these men accusing them had, they, they had a problem with Jesus' titles, right? the names for his person. Right? Son of God and Son of Man right? were, were very, very offensive to them. But never did he speak of his of ill of, of Moses or God. It's funny how we twist things. It's a funny there how, how when we don't understand things from the Scriptures, there's offense. It's a funny where if we have no desire for the things of Scriptures, there's offense. <laughs> Stephen never spoke against that. So what's the result there in verse 12? Um, it says this, And they stirred up the people, the elders and scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him to the council. They also sent up false witnesses who said, This man does not cease to speak blasphemous words against the holy place and the law, for we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs which Moses delivered him. 
So how do I close this in five minutes? I do believe with all my heart that we need to recognize again that Stephen is speaking the exact same thing that Jesus was speaking. All right, Jesus did teach and proclaim that this holy place would be destroyed. Right? Jesus did correct some of the customs right, that, that Pharisaic Judaism had taken. Did he, did he seek to change Torah? No. No, Scripture, I mean, it's right through. I mean, when we step in the Messianic kingdom, the law will be put back into place. God's word is pure. It's perfect. Did he have to correct some of the things that man had, t- had twisted? Of course he did. I mean, that is the only time you see Jesus saying, whoa, 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 to what the Pharisees were teaching. Bringing them back to sound teaching, to biblical teaching. And I think I will ask you to turn back to Luke 19, and I'll close with that. There's lots of verses on that note page if you're wanting to to pursue that study, and we'll probably step into it a little bit next week. Um, But just setting up this scene. Luke 19, Stephen was teaching the same thing that... Jesus was teaching. Uh, Verse 28, my average reading a verse every... (laughs) We have the triumphal entry, and then we have exactly what Jesus said, and I don't think Stephen would be saying anything different as he spoke for Christ from the throne. Uh, Verse 28, when he had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem, and it came to pass when he drew near Bethpage, And Bethany at the mountain called Olivet that he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite you, where as you enter you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever sat. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to them, Why are you loosing the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of him. And they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their own clothes on the colt, and they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees, and I'm going to say some of the ones that are, are, are part of the Sanhedrin, some of the ones that are participating in our Stephen setting, called to him from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. But he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Just trying to stop what's going on. Now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, if you had known even you, especially in this, your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. Right? These messianic promises, God's promise of deliverance if they would repent. For days will come upon you when your enemies 
will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation. God's King, God's Christ, God's anointed chosen one in their midst. He goes on from there, then he went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in it, saying to them, it is written, my house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And he was teaching daily where in the temple, but the chief priests and scribes, and again, same men, chief priests and scribes and the leaders of the people sought to destroy him and were unable to do anything for all the people were very attentive to hear him. So my position would be, just with back with the, the point I was making, when you're presenting truth, truth not understood is always an offense to someone. John the Baptist taught the same thing. Jesus taught the same thing. I mean, I don't think you can get any, any clearer there of God reaching in his grace and mercy to these people, right? Uh, Stephen comes along. The apostles are teaching. Stephen comes along, and he's teaching the same principle. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, right? Saved from the penalty of sin, power of sin, saved from this AD 70 wrath that's coming, saved from the tribulation wrath and second coming, you'll be saved. But if people don't understand that truth, it becomes an offense. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would give each of us in this room the patience and the endurance to present, present this message over and over and over again. Lord, I say patience because many people, just like these Pharisees, have heard it. They've read it. Right? The Old Testament scriptures all point towards you and Calvary and our future hope. And yet when it's not understood, it becomes offensive. And Lord, my prayer without getting into to Satan and, and his hold on people's hearts, Lord, I, my prayer would be that, again, you would give us patience and Lord, the endurance to do that. Lord, give us patience with our families. Give us patience there with our friends. Lord, I think of VBS. Lord, as we're going to have mums, dads, children, Lord, from all walks of life. Some have sat in pews. Some have never held a Bible. Lord, I pray that you would give us that patience and endurance just to present truth. And Lord, help us to understand that it's you. Lord, as Stephen spoke, it was you, your spirit, Lord, that they couldn't resist. It's you that's leading to these opportunities. It's you. Help us to be found faithful in stepping into what it is that you're leading in. And Lord, as we read our Bibles, Lord, I pray that we would understand how crucial it is to grasp your truth, your message, your foundation. Because without it, when we don't endure sound teaching, we're caught up with opinion. We're caught up there with the leaven and the lump. And Lord, I, I pray that that's not the case. 
Unify us, knit us together, and we just give these things to you in your name. Amen.